What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. What is going on? Welcome back to our shows. Today, I'm joined by Chaz, Chaz Spackman. Chaz, what's going on, dude? How you doing, bro? Good, man. Still fumbling through this intro. <laughs> I know. This it's, we talk about this every single time, but there's not really like a... Shit makes me nervous. <laughs> there's just not a good way to like introduce it because we don't do it enough. But uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited to be back for another episode. How are things going for you, man? I saw that you've been putting the gym together. Um, in your garage and stuff. I'd love to hear a little bit about <laughs> that. Like, how's that experience, man? Dude, it's been good. Uh, I have never, I have like such an obsessive personality and it's been like an addiction. I don't know if this is how it is for you buying the, like with your gym, but are you, are you like constantly just on the prowl for gym equipment and whatnot? I was like, it, it's kind of gone away now at this point, but yeah. when I was first into it, like the first couple of years, it's all I did. And it's just, it's an obsessive thing. Like when you start, oh, yeah. like you just keep on, cause there's so much stuff out there that, yeah, it gets fun. There's too many toys. Oh yeah. And that's, that's very much what it's turned into. Like at the start, it was like, okay, I'm just going to grab like all the basics. And then I was like, well, I need it to look really pretty. Like I wanted to all be like all blacked out. <laughs> And it's like, I'm just gonna get a, I'm just gonna get like a basic ass rack from Amazon, whatever I can get and kind of just throw stuff together from Facebook marketplace. Then it like turned into, okay, like now I got this, how to get this like rack from rogue and okay. Like now everything has a rack is dope. (laughs) (laughs) The rack is beautiful. I'm so stoked for that to get here. But, and then it was like, well, I got to get this, I got to get a backup rack until I get my actual rack. Cause I want to be able to start doing stuff. It's, it's kind of turned into a problem, dude, but (laughs) <laughs> it's it's been it's been super fun man honestly i've loved having that just down on my garage i mean the first so here like even at like 7 a.m it's still like at least 90s in the morning so the first couple of days i was just sweating my ass yeah, off that's there. but it's honestly now we got a fan it's not bad so i've i've loved having the garage gym honestly even more than i always thought it'd be kind of cool to do but even more than i expected i've really enjoyed it how has your um, training been down there? Like, as far, how long have you been training in the garage for? I mean, I was in my, it's been about a month. It's been like five or, it's been five weeks, I think, since the gym shut down in Arizona. So I was in my um, living room for like three weeks and the garage is so much better than that. You can like yeah, drop dumbbells absolutely. and whatnot. It's, it's been really good, dude. I mean, Honestly, my training was super basic before. Pretty much the only things I haven't been able to use are like cables, of course. Like I don't have, which I kind of miss for like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of a dumbbell chest fly, but honestly that and like a dumbbell that I, for whatever reason, a dumbbell chest fly feels so much shittier to me than like a cable chest fly. So that I miss, but outside of that, like I have a, and I'm waiting for my dip bars to show up. But oh, nice. outside of that, I have like this little pulley system that it works really surprisingly well, surprisingly well, honestly, for like a lap pull down. I can just throw it over my pull up bar. So truly, dude, it hasn't really changed that much. Um, I mean, I was progressing a hack squat into, instead of a barbell back squat. So now I'm back to a back squat. But like outside of that, it's been good, man. It's, I mean, I have dumbbells 200 i have barbell plates lat pull down plus do pull up so it's been good dude cool that's awesome especially now like i think it's valuable for 
you and for I as, as trainers that write programs, a lot of people now are switching to more home type gyms, which is the way of the world. Right. right. So that's what I, a lot of my own programming, like I have access to a gym still, but I'm trying to program in more functional stuff for myself just to right. test, to be able to program for clients because a lot of clients are buying barbells they're buying racks. They're, they're building out garage gyms that maybe we don't have like cables and leg extensions and leg curls and that kind of stuff at this point. So you just have to adjust. So I think if anything, it will just help you be able to get more creative to like in your programming. Cause I'm, yeah, I don't know for sure but I'm sure a lot of your clients are in that exact same type of position. Oh, for sure. And like you said, I have no doubt that going forward, it'll be, I think forever. I think that the gym industry, the fitness industry as a whole is going to look a lot different. Like I think that so many people right now have just bought so much equipment that people are just going to continue to train at home. And Absolutely. there's some, I feel like there's something that's like, so to me, like the garage gym, just like the idea that has always been so appealing. It's hard to like explain. Do you understand what it's hard to explain what that is, but it's like the like functional fitness. Like, I I don't even know what it is, like how a CrossFit gym looks, but not actually doing CrossFit in the gym is like something about that. Like aesthetic is so appealing to me. Absolutely dude. So, um, at my gym at fit factory, we like, we keep the cables in there. We have the leg presses, like the stuff right. that a lot of the gen pop, like dudes want to come in and they, they want those machines and stuff. Right. But like, I hear you 100% as we get ready to move out to California. Like one of the things that I'm looking for the most, and I, I, I don't want to end up at an LA fitness or like a crunch. Like I'm trying to find those functional type centers that like, right. it's hard to find them though, too, because you have to like, they want you to be, most of them are CrossFit. If you right. want to go and use their facility, you have to, um, you have to be a part of the classes and they don't really have open gyms and stuff like that. So I hear you 100%. Like there's just some sort of seductiveness. Maybe it's just to like the more experienced guys that are nerded out and all of it, but like finding ways to be more minimalist and like the equipment that you have to still create the best results from it. And it just like opens your brain to training programs and stuff like stimulates you, like having to get creative and how you're creating programs and stuff. It's super fun. Oh yeah, I know for sure. And that's what this has been such a fun, like return to the basics almost of like what you can do with bands, barbells and dumbbells. And that's because for a long time I was down a rabbit hole of like, okay, how can I like on this, isolateral hammer strength row how can i absolutely do everything to optimize the resistance profile and like it's been it's been a big change of pace but yeah man it's been fun so that's how are things going with the move and whatnot dude things are going good man um it's been slow for the last minute we moved out of our house our house is under contract i messed up i never sold a house before so like we put the house up for sale and got it on with the realtor and everything. And I made my wife move out of the house because I was like, the house is going to sell really fast because we're in a pretty hot market where we're at. House is going to sell super fast. So we need to move into my dad's house right now because the house is going to sell super fast. Well, the house did sell super fast. Like we had like six offers in on the first day, which sure. is amazing. But again, I never sold the house before. I didn't realize there's like a 30 to 45 day period after the house goes under contract before you actually have to be moved out of the house because like the buyer has to get the loan put together and everything, you know? So we moved everything out before we sold it. It went under contract. <laughs> We've been living at my dad's for like the last 30 to 45 days where we could have, st- and we have the empty house there where we still could be living, but we're living at my dad's <laughs> right now. But, but besides that, man, um, everything's going super good. We're just waiting on some stuff to get solidified out there for my wife, but, but 
yeah, I can't complain about any. We're just kind of in patient mode now, waiting for everything to get solidified out in, in California, which I'm happy to not be out there yet, just because like any sort of city environment right now, especially California, they're closed down, gyms are closed down, right. all that kind of stuff. So, and here in Idaho, it's obviously super slow. There's not a lot of people like life is pretty normal for the most part, except right. you have to wear a mask a lot of the places that you go. So I'm not like in a rush to, to get out there. I want all this craziness to kind of subside and hopefully find some regularity back in life and then, um, and then start to make the push to get out there. So we're in no rush at the moment. I feel it. Do you think that they will be reopened when you get there? Man, that's a good question. So right? I hope so. But the good thing is like we haven't even – my wife has some buildings. They have some buildings that they're trying to get into um, for the business that they're starting, but they haven't got anything solidified yet. Like there's no lease signed. So until that lease is signed, like they have offers in and everything. It's just a really long process, especially right now because nobody's working in offices out there. Right. So everything's done from home. So it goes at such a slow speed to get anything done that once something is signed, which hopefully in the next few weeks, something's ready to go. We still have a three month period after that before the locations will actually open and we need to be there. So with that said, hopefully in the next three months, this is all done. Who, who knows? Like (laughs) we thought, I thought after March and April it'd be all done, but now we're sitting at the first of August and we're still in the same, you're still closed down in the same situation. So who knows, (laughs) man? Anyways, you get lots of questions. Yeah. I got a few questions. Dope. Dope. You want to go ahead and dive into them? Sure. Perfect. Let's hop in. Let me, let me go first. Uh, you typically have more than me, so get it. How long should I eat in a deficit? And then how long should I be eating at maintenance? <laughs> very vague, but I think we can give some good overall guidelines for people. Uh, yeah, uh, very much. It depends um, how long you're in a deficit on how long you have to lose. So I typically tell people you want to lose at 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week is generally a good mark to aim for. Not so slow that shit is just dragging out forever, but it's not so fast you're risking muscle loss or you just feel like balls for lack of better terms. So typically then within that, every eight to 12 weeks, I would push somebody to take a one to two week diet break. For most people, just for a year's sake, that's smart. Um, I would say most clients I work with don't have more than like, 30 pounds to lose, let's say 20 to 30 pounds. So typically by the time we do an eight to 12 week fat loss phase, a two week diet break, another eight to 12 week fat loss phase, we can be pretty close to their end goal at which point we transition to maintenance. Um, The whole like, how long should I be at maintenance? This is super interesting. Again, like I feel like you hear these numbers thrown out there so much, like you should be at maintenance one and a half times the amount you were at the diet. But again, I feel like it depends so much on like how lean did you get? So like if we lost over, if we lost a good chunk of your body weight, you lost, let's say over 10% of your body weight. Then I think that's a good mark to, okay, we've lost enough to where this is a significant deviation from where your body was sitting previously. So you probably need to spend quite a bit of time practicing maintenance at least a couple months. Now, I also think that like the idea of practicing maintenance, I think more it's like with maintenance phases, I, generally how I interpret it is people mean like we're going to be at maintenance or maybe we're taking like the lean gains approach. It's not necessarily like you're literally just at maintenance. Basically, we're just staying out of deficit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so typically, like if we've deviated a long ways from your previous where your body fat set, 
at least a few months at maintenance is a good idea. Um, if you got super lean, so like if you got shredded for a photo shoot or top on stage, um, spending longer at maintenance is a good idea as well. Or if you just feel like if your biofeedback is shitty, again, spending a couple months at maintenance is a good idea until that returns to normal. Um, yeah, that's what I have on that, I think. Let's say that – here's a question for you off of that. Let's say yeah. somebody has like more than 30 pounds to lose. Is there a certain amount of time – say somebody has 50 to 100 pounds to lose. Would you still – only give somebody a certain amount of time in a deficit phase before practicing a more long-term maintenance phase. Does that make sense? So if like somebody had, let's say 70 pounds to lose, would you let them go for an entire year in a deficit without practicing a maintenance phase in there? I wouldn't honestly. And it's people just get burnt out after dieting that long. Mm -hmm. Like I can think of one client that comes to mind right now. What, when she started, she was 242, and with her check in yesterday, she was 157. So and she's lost all with you, yeah. And that's been what since January of 2019 was when she started. So she's we've been working together for a long time, awesome. but through that, she's had like multiple uh, maintenance phases that are a couple months long. And the reality is, like, any client I've had that's lost that much weight, I would say anybody that's lost more than 40 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds is we're getting to the point where, okay, this is a pretty significant change. And typically, like at that point, people just, once you hit that mark where you've changed your body that much, people are generally just so fatigued of dieting, their body feels like shit. And then from there, they still like, seeing that you still have like 30 to 40 pounds more to go is just so daunting for most people. So I've had good success with, okay, we're going to take at least a month to literally, we're just going to focus on your performance. We're going to feed you. We are going to keep you at maintenance, but we just want to focus on like, okay, how do you feel at the gym? How's your biofeedback? And just, I typically then frame this as, okay, this is a phase where we're just going to focus on building muscle. When we get back to the diet, you're going to feel better. You're going to look more jacked or depending on who I'm working with, I wouldn't always say jacked, but you're going to look more defined. And then when we go back to the diet, you'll feel so much better. You'll feel more refreshed. So I'll typically like in a situation like that, like again, with this client, I think that's what, like 80 some pounds that she's lost. Mm -hmm. um, she's taken, I believe she's taken two, what, four to six week maintenance phases like that. And then we've had probably three to four diet breaks outside of that at two weeks each. And then she also has like, we're calorie cycling. So every two weeks she has three weeks or three days of maintenance. Oh. So, so, I mean, it does depend, but I have never had anybody that's lost that much weight, even to like my in-person clients that I haven't had them take at least like in the middle one to two months at maintenance. Because most people by that point will just tell you like, fuck, like, yeah. I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this, which is a good, and that's exactly it. Like when we talk about periodization, it's not that it would ruin them to keep pushing the deficit along like the reality is probably a very similar amount of metabolic adaptation will happen either way but just psychologically just like knowing that you have that much further to go is just a lot to handle for most people does that yeah, make sense I, no 100 i agree i think that you need to give people a light at the end of the tunnel that like they can see mm -hmm. you know what i mean as far as it comes to deficits you can't just put somebody a deficit and say okay we're going to sit here until you lose a hundred pounds. Could you do it and probably be okay, be successful with it? Like 
as far as the science is concerned, sure. But mentally, to be able to sit in a deficit for that long, there's no way. You're going to end up burning out and not be able to make it. So I couldn't agree anymore. I think it, um, like typically for me, I wouldn't like to see somebody sit in a deficit regardless of how much weight they lose um, for longer than like a, a six-month period just because you're going to see adherence fall big exactly. time. You're going to, yeah, you're going to just burn out mentally before you burn out physically. And, and you've got to have both next to each other. Um, burning at full steam to be able to actually get to where you're trying to go. And if you don't, something's going to fall off and you're not going to ultimately get to where you're trying to go. So yeah, definitely no longer than like a, a six month time frame. Ideally, like if you've got only 10 to 30 ish pounds to lose, you can reach that entire goal in one deficit phase right. with some right. periodized diet breaks in there and refeeds and things like that. But um, if you have more still, I would, I would stop sooner than, than burning yourself out and trying to just make it all in one stretch. Exactly. But I think on the flip side, if you do have just like a short amount of weight to lose, Typically, it makes sense to be more aggressive. Just get that sure. shit done. With, and that's something I've definitely, like, in the last six months even, definitely leaned a lot more towards, like, even with, like, guests I've been talking to on the podcast, we've gotten into this, like, being more aggressive and just getting that over with, getting people to the point where they can practice maintenance sooner rather than later. And even, like, using less, um, like, okay, we're going to give you a one-day refeed or a two-day refeed every week. And just like pushing to get it done quicker so we can get out of deficit sooner deficit sooner, and just practice maintenance sooner. I'm finding that too. I've got a client now who we've been trying to like keep an eye on refeeds and keep refeeds in there just for factors of keeping her mentally strong and like seeing a light in the tunnel, having light breaks here and there. But like right. as we go and we see her biofeedback come back and everything's good and she's staying motivated. Uh, she's making progress, but if we were doing biweekly refeeds, but now we're going to do them every third week just because everything's coming back good and she wants to dig a little bit deeper to get through the deficit a little bit faster. So there's no sense in, in dragging it out if you don't have to. Right, right. And I think also if I look at like my most successful clients, the clients that like we have to look at buy-in too. And one of the best ways to get a lot of buy-in is in the first couple of weeks, whether it's because there's also like this, well, we shouldn't be that focused on the scale. So you could really like argue this either way. But personally, I found more and more like from a buy-in perspective, it makes sense to be a little bit more aggressive right out of the gate, which is also hard to pair with like this idea of, okay, we have this primer phase before we even go into the diet. Yeah. Um, so I kind of go back and forth on that. But that's something that my mind is changing a bit on lately, honestly. If I have a client that starts and it seems that they're in a good place to to hop into a diet be more aggressive rather than like okay we're gonna spend so much time uh like priming priming you to make sure you're ready for this just to get more buy-in right out of the gate does that make sense no absolutely i've i've gone back and forth with that too i've started people off fast they've created results pretty quickly and then the buy-in's there right they'll mm -hmm. keep going then Sometimes you try to be, you think you're trying to be more responsible and start somebody off a little bit slower just to build the habits first. Yeah. But then if they're not creating the result from that, at the same time, they're thinking like, what the hell did I pay you for? Like, what are we doing? Like, right. come on. You know what I mean? So I think it's very um, personality based. It's very dependent upon like who the person is and how in depth of conversations you've had with them around the why to everything that you're doing so that they can create that buy-in for sure. Right. No, 100%. Yeah, no, for sure. And then on the flip side, sorry, I keep going on about this, but then on the flip side, um, sometimes you'll have people that 
like a mistake I made in the past too, which is why like I started using primer phases was when I would have people that I try to start aggressive right away and they were just weren't ready for it. And then yeah. again, you don't, <laughs> so it is very much, I think yeah. it all comes back to something we talk about a lot, which is having a very thorough initial consultation and actually taking the time to get to know your clients, which I know is why both of us hop on calls. We both have super in-depth questionnaires and things like that. So we can actually screen things like this better because if we were just like, even just taking people on via email and never hopping on a call with clients before they started. I don't think there's any way you would like really know. I mean, of course you could see like their food diaries, but it would be still be very hard to know like, okay, is this person truly ready for this? Yeah, absolutely. I just had that exact situation happen. Somebody ready to, to lose a lot of weight. They've been training for a long time. They've been trying to diet forever, but they've basically just chronically tried to diet and they just ran them into the ground. They're not recovering. They run their own business. Their stress is high through just their daily life. They're adding more stress by training six times per week. And um, to start, I told them the first four weeks, we're going to eat high calorie. We're going to just try to bring your metabolism back, bring your, your mental power back, bring your motivation right. back so that when we actually start the diet, you are prepared mentally and physically to start creating the changes that we want. And it's hard for like the first week or two, but then they start to realize, oh, well, I can eat this much food and just maintain and feel this good. Like, this is awesome. Like I feel good. And then when they're, they're actually ready, then you can drop those calories back down and um, results can take off a lot faster. And, and they start to realize the overall spectrum. Everything's not about just eating as little food as possible to, to try to always be losing weight. There's a lot more broad spectrum to the whole thing to create a successful long-term result. Right. Right. No, <laughs> basically it depends so much on the individual, but yeah. I think we killed that one. Yeah, right. we, did. we did your turn i have how would you program for someone who wants max bicep gains how would i program for somebody who wants maximum bicep gains well we would definitely include a lot of bicep curls <laughs> i mean that's it's a very there's a very simple answer to that you'd simply just make sure that you're doing a lot of pulling movements. Yeah, pulling movements. And then when it comes to training the bicep, I like to train the bicep in all three shoulder positions. So forward, neutral, and behind extended, flexed, and neutral. Correct? Yep. I believe, yeah. So, um, so make sure you're hitting spider curls, preacher curls. Make sure you're hitting just standard barbell standing curls and make sure you're hitting some sort of like a drag curl, spreading those out through the week. Um, probably pushing up your volume slowly and then just trying to progressively overload those movements over time um, with maximal volume there, which if you're trying to grow one body part, usually it comes at the expense of having to maintain more on other body parts. So pushing the volume to recoverable stages for you um, as far as your biceps are concerned, but pushing them maximally as, as high as we can while you're still recovering at the sake of probably not programming and trying to grow your other body parts as quickly. Does that make sense? That's a very broad statement, but that's basically how I would think about it in my brain is I would go to put down a program for somebody that wanted to build their biceps. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more, man. So basically like, like you're saying, I'll probably start with like each of our shoulder positions. Cause where you're, or basically think where your elbow was at in relation to your torso. Right. So like you said that you're doing a movement where your elbows in front of you while you're curling a movement where your elbows beside you move where your elbows behind you, mm -hmm. which we could call your shoulder angle. And that just changes where the maximum tension is on the muscle throughout the movement. Um, I would say also throw in like at least one hammer curl variation Absolutely. throughout the week. That'll train your brachialis a little bit more. Your brachialis can't consist to 
um, or can't contribute to supination, which is like when your palm is facing up. So it's smart to throw in like at least one neutral grip curl variation. But yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I would say like if you're doing this, let's say you're training an upper lower split, I would hit at least one bicep curl variation. Um, I would probably hit all three of those variations. I'd probably start with like three different movements at let's say three sets each, right? So you probably have like two movements one day, one to end the other day. These are ending your upper body days. Um, from there, and then I mean, you just slowly like see how your biceps are responding. Okay, am I doing good here? Am I able to, I would look at like week to week. So I would typically assign like a rep range. Okay, so let's say we're training this, your barbell curl in the 10 to 15 rep range, you're hitting three sets. Okay, week to week, are you able to progress load? or reps within that rep range if so okay we're probably okay to add another set because that tells us like yeah. when we see performance start to stagnate that's when we're kind of like okay we can't push the volume anymore so you could look at that assess okay can i add more sets here from there like if you feel like you're you've kind of reached your time limit for okay i can't keep adding more sets of biceps to my upper body days then i would start by adding another variation to like end your lower body day um when I first started training with, when I first started training with Cody, it was like my leg days were just like two to three leg movements and then just a shit ton of arms at the end. It was so fun. <laughs> but um, that's, Do you like to train arms? I honestly hate, that was like one of the few things. I normally don't like to train arms. Like there were actually years there where I skipped arms completely, <laughs> but I, I don't. Do you? Not really, man. No, I've, I, I, find myself like always now i like big compound movements i like progressing it and building strength but at this point what i found with it too like right now today my body feels beat up because i've taken like the last 15 weeks or so and really pounded like the barbell squat the bench press my shoulders starting to get really achy my <laughs> knees are achy um the deadlift and so yeah i i don't i like to push the big movements probably to a fault where i'm like okay i need to to back off and like just do some hypertrophy focused stuff for for like an eight to 15 week period because i just hammer away at the other stuff and look up and it's been 20 30 weeks <laughs> that's that's exactly how i am too i i've always kind of been like that i don't know why that is because i feel like that's abnormal but i'm yeah. glad to hear i'm not alone in that i love training like <sighs> any push any heavy pull but yeah same yeah. same way arms just aren't as much yeah. fun for me but um yeah i don't think i have anything else to add to that do you no i i think that's spot on and that goes like you say that for biceps those principles go for pretty much any body part that you want to improve right like if a woman came to us wanted to do her wanted to build her glutes or if you want to build your shoulders obviously they'll come with different movements and you have to understand how to hit those muscles from different angles that can be important the more experience that you have but um that's the principles to build any muscle group really exactly cool uh my turn so Next question is, do you have any marketing tips for new online trainers? I feel like we always end up with some sort of <laughs> question like this. We do have a lot of questions like this. Uh, oh, man. I feel like we went off on this on the last podcast, right? We made, was it that same, same question? Was it marketing? It was very, very similar like, tips for a new nutrition coach that wanted to build their online business. Yeah. I would say first and foremost, listen to the last podcast. Um, Agreed. I feel like we went in on that. Now I'm kind of like nervous. Like I feel like he can't one off that. Cause I remember being like, fuck, that was such a good answer. Um, I would say, I mean, it all comes back to giving away a lot of value, right? 
Mm-hmm. At least that's how I built my business. And I know that you built your business very similar to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have like, I, I do love business. I love learning about marketing. It's super interesting to me, but I don't know a shit ton about either by any means. It's all come. I think it all comes back to being a really, really good coach, which I think is something that people forget a lot. Like focusing so much on marketing. Like I have, I've had so many conversations with coaches that are trying to build a business. Like, yo, can you tell me like what funnel I should use? Or like, how do I go about like adding a ton of people to my list? And it's like, well, what are you doing to like make your current clients talk about you more? And like, well, they're not going to give me any new leads. Like if, I, I can recall one conversation that was so frustrating because it was basically like, dude, I think you just need to double down on the service you're providing to your current clients. The dude was like, no, like I, they're not going to give me new leads. Like I, it is most frustrating thing ever. So I think like first and foremost, it comes down to everything you're doing, both in your content and how you're coaching people. Just like ask yourself, like with your clients, would you be happy if you were in their shoes, would you be ecstatic about the service they're providing you? Would you be stoked about your training programs? Would you be hyped up about like how they're responding to your emails? And then same thing with your content, like everything you're putting out, if you were looking at this from someone else's perspective, would this actually like make you want to work with this person? Or would you think like, yeah, it kind of looks like they half asked that, like that could be a lot better. Um, for me, that train of thought which when I first started thinking about this, it made me realize I needed to do a lot better at a lot of like, both my content and my coaching. But that's really helped me. Um, like, go for it. That's all I have right now. I, I think that a lot of people too, like what you just said, everything you just said right there is what your business stands for. Like when I look at your content and everything that you put out, there's a lot of thought into your infographics, into everything that you're putting out there. But I think a lot of people want to think, well, I'll, I'll start putting out the good stuff when I have like a lot of engagement and I have a lot of people following me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just going to build it off of, off of like putting out this and that, you know what I mean? And, and it really comes down to everything that you just said from the get, like giving your best, putting your best stuff out there for people to be able to see and let them see that you care about what you're doing for others. Like you care about the content that you put out there. You're actually trying to help them for free up front and just be super consistent with the content that you, that you are providing for people and getting better at writing. And another one that I would say that I've taken on over the last while that's really helped me is to start looking at yourself as more of a brand than just like a person. And when I say that, that might sound, that might sound kind of weird, but like, what are your values? Like, what do you stand for as a, as a coach? Like, how do you help people? What, what are the things that you hate and what are the things that you like? And don't be scared to talk about those types of things because there's going to people be people that relate to you. And so when I say that, I don't mean like when I say brand, that might sound funny to some people. And I, I thought the same way, like, I'm not a brand. Like, what does that mean? But, but you are, you just don't realize it. One book that I would highly recommend that was recommended to me by our mentor through Cody was um, building a story brand that changed a lot for me. Yeah. It just changed my whole mindset around the business that I'm building. What are the values? How do I help people? Like, what do I stand for? And then start to convey that. And you'll start to convey messaging that aligns people with you and your brand. And it will show them how you can help them rather than you just spewing out fitness information that's generalized to everybody. 
So good. Yeah. I can't recommend building a story brand enough. That was for me also one of the most impactful books straight up in like anytime I've like any mentor client that I've given that book. And it was the same way for me. Like you can see like all of a sudden, like a couple of weeks later, like, okay, now all of a sudden they're picking up so many more clients than they were before in the same way for me. Um, I would say too, actually thinking about language, I think is something people don't like people are like, okay, I'm going to create content, but actually taking the time to study and like learn how to write good copy is so helpful. Like actually studying writing because again, like we can just put content out there and it can be this big ass block of words on Instagram, but that versus something that actually speaks to the people you want to work with is something completely different. Like I know for me, one of the most helpful things, my first coaches that I worked with, actually business coaches, everything I wrote went in a Google doc and they would just go through and just fuck it up. Like you need to yeah. change this, you need to change this, you need to change this. And that was literally the first coach I worked with, but it was so helpful to like, it changed how I write so much. Um, so I think like actually, and it does depend too, like maybe you're a better speaker. Like I know for you, you're, you're a good speaker. You do a lot on TikTok and you've seen a lot of growth through TikTok. Mm. I really, really like to write. Um, I know we both have a podcast as well, but yeah. And I don't love to writing gives me like, I have a harder time writing something than I do getting on and saying it. So it comes across better for me. Really? Say it. Yeah. As it, as it would for you maybe to write it. You are a super good writer too. I, I love reading your, your content. I was like, every time I read it or like yours or Carter's like, damn, like, <laughs> thank you better this. <laughs> that means the world to me i when i was a little kid my i thought i was like gonna be a writer my goal was my life plan was i was gonna write like historical fiction about ancient that's Mount. cool so, <laughs> but anyways i i don't know as far as like the doubling down in your strength that is that is an interesting conversation to have because i don't know that i feel like you hear people say like okay whatever you're best at like double down on that but i would say like for me I used to very much be an introvert. I'm not naturally a good speaker, but the podcast has grown a ton faster than anything else I've ever done. And it has really, really helped my business as well. So I don't know as far as like, what's your take on that? You know what I'm saying? Like people will say double down on your strengths. Forget about your weaknesses. I think, I think absolutely double down on your strengths, but don't forget about your weaknesses, right? Like for me, I've doubled down on my strengths. For me, TikTok has done really well. I've doubled down. I'm doing three to five posts on there per day, Let's but go. I'm still doing newsletters. I'm still trying to write blogs, although I always mess up and don't get them done when I'm supposed to get them done. But that, and I'm still posting on Instagram, right? Like right. I'm still getting all of it done. And just to go back, like speaking your client's language, saying that too, one thing I'll say there too, I think a lot of coaches fall into the trap, especially as you get like associated with the evidence-based world too, is like you get so scared that you have to, you start making your content to have other coaches like, to, for other coaches, basically, right. to try to impress other people when you're not going to be working with other coaches. Maybe that's like a long-term goal. I know Jeremiah, um, a lot of his clients are coaches, but for the most of us, we're not looking to work with coaches as clients. We're looking to work with general pop. And one thing that has changed a lot in my business too is one word that I don't like and I never used for a long time was the word toned, right? Because like it doesn't really have that much of as a trainer, you hear that word and you kind of cringe. You're like, Ugh, like, because there's not really a meaning to it. All that toned really means is having enough lean muscle definition on your frame and being at a lean enough body fat percentage to show off that lean muscle definition. Right. But like, if somebody comes to me and says, I want to look toned, if the first thing that I do is correct them on the language <laughs> that they're using, Thank like, you. they're going to look at me as a dick 
You know right. what I mean? And like, they come to me, they come out of their comfort zone to ask me for help. And the first thing I do is correct them instead of help them. It just doesn't come off as a good look. So one thing that I've been experimenting more with in the last while, and I wouldn't have done this as a new trainer because I was scared of what other people, other coaches were going to think of my content. Like I didn't know what I was talking about, but I've started to use that word because my ideal type of client uses that word exactly. and it's done nothing but help me grow my business and get clients in. And then I can actually teach them, well, this is what toning actually is. You don't need to go for runs or you don't need to do really lightweight for really high reps. You need to focus on strength, build up your muscle, not always be in a calorie deficit, maybe going to maintenance slash surplus phases over time. And you can actually help that person, but you have to meet that person where they're at and you got to stop focusing so much on like what's literally literally correct and what's going to impress another coach that's a much farther down the road than you are but exactly. that's a rant that i have it's something i've been thinking about a lot lately that is hilarious you say that because i have i literally have had that exact same rant like talking to katie about it so many times i've seen so many posts lately that are like like muscles don't tone or define the only hypertrophy or atrophy it's like yeah like who cares it's like, <laughs> like a dick like what person ever reading you posting this is going to say, oh, shit, I am only hypertrophy and atrophy. <laughs> like, I'm going to hire this person. I really want to work with you. Exactly. You know, it's like, and then that's like, I use the phrase lean muscle all the time, which I know, like, we don't build lean muscle. But it speaks to the people that, whereas if I was, you only use the phrase hypertrophy, people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? That so much limits the amount of people that I can help. Like I've, that's funny that you said that because I've literally had that exact same rant so many times in the last month. Um, as I long as what you're, what you're doing, like if you're helping them in the correct way, the terminology that you use to meet them where they're at, I don't think it matters. I, I don't, like, I, I, I don't either, dude, because like we're educating people on how to become healthier, happier, more confident. We're teaching them the science of it. We're not using this to sell them some bullshit but exactly. again it does come back to like selling people and so much of that is like it's like if somebody spoke a different language than you and you're like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speak spanish to this person they have to learn english before i can work with them they're never gonna work with you and you're never gonna be able to help them right exactly and it's kind of a weird analogy but I, no I, it's so true though it's so true that yeah that's something that's just been on my mind because i was always so scared to use it and then I started using like, screw this. I'm just going to start using it because right. I know this is what people are thinking. And lo and behold, like it's brought on a good amount of clients in the last while. And I'm not bringing you on to take you through a toning program, teaching you how to build muscle and how to lose body fat over time. But I'm just meeting you where you're at and speaking your language so that I can actually help. I think that's super powerful. And I think that cripples a lot of coaches. At least I know it crippled me for the first oh, yeah. couple of years. If I wouldn't have worried so much about that, I'd probably be, further along but you live and you learn and and yeah no exactly man i couldn't agree more cool i think we crushed that one again always we always go super into depth with those types of questions um all-time favorite books books i am not a huge reader to be honest i don't read a ton of i definitely not into audiobooks books yeah so um as far as audiobooks one book that I really, really enjoyed was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a finance, kind of like a nerdy finance book. I haven't actually read that. If you're into finance and like with business and, and things like that, it's a really good book just to help get your finances in order. Like when me and my wife first got married, 
we had a lot of issues financially, just like we saw finances so differently. Right. And I had read that book and she hadn't. So I had her read it to help her like have a better understanding of, of our finances. And it just like changed the shape of our lives. It's honestly what helped me be able to actually start my own business and stuff. Cause I started saving the money from the nine to five to be able to do the, my own thing. So anyway, that's a really good book if you're nerdy and you're into that sort of thing. And then like, again, I don't read books for enjoyment. So one of the books that's been super impactful on me has just been the strength training nutrition, the nutrition and training pyramids by um, Eric Helms. That's kind of just, and his colleagues, Andy Morgan. And there's one other person as well that wrote it with him. I think I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. I think it's Andrew. Andrew? Yeah. 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 And so those books, like if you're a coach or a trainer or a nutrition coach, those are really good books too, as it just breaks down the science of training and nutrition quite simply to help you be able to start creating programming for clients and stuff that are going to be backed by science and actually create the best results possible as well as it just breaks down the nutrition side of things for you too. So those would be my books, but those are kind of boring answers because it's kind of <laughs> reading. boring ass. Um, I do. I used to be obsessed with the Lord of the Rings when I was a little kid. Really? I, Oh, I read the, I just read the Lord of the Rings book over and over and over again. I probably read that 10 times. The whole like Lord of the Rings, um, like the whole world, the word is escaping me, but like anything associated to that, I was, I was, I was a nerd, dude. I was, I was super into that. For I the never got into that stuff. <laughs> um, oh, dude, I was, I was so into like Lord really? of the Rings, Star Wars, um, Narnia, anything like that when I was a little kid, that shit was my jam. Wasn't Narnia, was that a game? No, that was Zelda. Zelda was the game. Zelda was a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> past that, let's see, I feel like books like in my adult life. I'm trying to, I'm looking through my audible right now. I straight up listen to books a lot more than I read. One book that was super helpful for me was a book called the mastery of self. Um, and that's one I give, that's one I recommend to quite a few of my clients for me. It was super helpful as far as how I perceive myself and all these judgments I was replacing. I was placing other people like, and I, I've talked about this on my podcast before. I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but I, for me, there was a long time in my life until I was about 23 where I was just so angry at everyone around me. And for me, this book really helped me realize that like, so much of that was me projecting outwards on other people, all these things I was insecure about with myself and really just like changed the way I saw myself and other people got deep here <laughs> super quick, oh, but I like that. I like that was a, that was a very good one. Um, I'm trying to think of things outside of just training nutrition 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson. That was another one that was super impactful for me. I need to read that one. I've Dude, heard a lot so about good. it, but I need to read that one. He really addresses again, kind of on some deep shit here, but like for me personally, for the longest time, again, since I was a little kid, I always remember just like trying to figure out what is the point of life? Like, why am I even here? Like this kind of nihilistic worldview. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I still try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that for me really helped at least give a lot more clarity on that. So 12 rules for life is a very good one. We could have a podcast about that if you'd like, but I would love that, dude. I would love to have a, a, a deep conversation about that kind of stuff, like mindset and that stuff. I feel like we could have a really good man. podcast because we're, we come from similar places with a lot of that stuff. Absolutely. And that's honestly, that's been like, for me so much in July, was diving back into like because i've had 
for me, uh, July was very much, honestly, if we want to get into this, like a weird place where I felt like I didn't necessarily know what's next because all these things that I had built up in my head for so long, like literally years and years and years, like the amount of clients I was going to have, um, finances, things like that. I'd like done. And I just, then it was kind of like a weird, like, well, like, I don't don't feel like I'm chasing anything anymore, you know, and kind of like bringing it back to (laughs) like what, who am I and why am I here? And I spent a lot of time diving into that in July. Again, that's kind of a topic for a different podcast. Um, How has that been for you? Um, But not to get too deep into it if you don't want, but with the Be The Man Challenge that we've both been going through, self-development and like making you reflect on yourself and making you just realize that you're the only person that's truly in control of your life and nobody really is coming to save you. Like that's right. deep, but oh, it's yeah. true. And as a man and, and like with me as a, a wife and a daughter, and I know you have a girlfriend that uh, you told me earlier that you've now moved in with, like you're right. progressing in that way. It sounds like too, like it's very powerful to start learning about that kind of stuff and start just taking it into consideration in your mind every single day. Right. So how has, how has that gone for you? Has it been good? Has it been eye opening? Oh, dude, it's been, it's been super eye-opening. And, and again, I feel like we could go off about this for a long time. For me, so much, though, just reconnecting to, like, what truly drives me. And for me, it's really just this idea of constantly becoming more, like, in all areas of life. Like, that's always – I'm just obsessed with, like, growth. Okay, like, what – which is kind of, like – I feel like it's a hard – which I'm guessing you're similar, right? Do you feel like – when you do, this is something that I struggle with. And again, this is, we'll go off on this for the last minute of this podcast too. But anyway, when you get somewhere in your life, like you have this built up, like I need this amount of clients making this amount of money, moving in with my girlfriend, whatever it is, like things are going good. When you get to that point, do you find yourself forgetting to celebrate that and you just take on the anxieties of the next point? Oh, oh, absolutely, dude. And that's what I've even had like, well, something I've struggled with lately is I've gotten so much more efficient with my work that I've been getting done like two, I've been getting more done, but I've done like two hours earlier. And then that like two hour gap, I feel like, fuck, like what is, I'm not doing it. If yeah. I'm not like filling it with something, if it like to not have more to do, even though I've been getting more done, it like has, it like created more anxiety and honestly, that's something that I'm still trying to figure out, like how to deal with. It's a weird thing, but no, I'm I'm very similar. It's always like, what's next? What's next? What's next? That's funny. So you'll finish your list for the day. You'll get everything done. And if you're sitting with not much to do, you're worried. Do you make yourself feel like you're failing yourself because you're not doing something? Like you're kind of like, oh, oh yeah. I'm like, I'm a loser. I'm not sitting here doing something productive. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's same here, man. I I do that to myself all the time, and. Then like I'll try to come out of it or like have a slight meditation or something like to take me out of those thoughts and, and try to realize, but that's a struggle, right? Like sure. never feels like what you're doing is enough. And especially like as entrepreneurs running our own businesses and those businesses being ran from anywhere that you literally want to in an office in your house or wherever it may be, like that's a big, a big mind game. No, for sure. But I mean, on the flip side, I think that some of it, which again, for me, it's been so helpful to like, my main driver is just like, I don't want to say expansion, but becoming more. 
Same. just because like I know when I was on the other side of that I know there was again a long period of my life where I was super unhappy and like one of the things that I realized I think just diving in and like actually learning more about yourself is super important like have you ever have you ever taken the Enneagram test no but I've heard a lot about it but I, I for me haven't. that that's something that's super helpful as well but it all kind of it ties back into what we're working we're talking about here as well like knowing who you are like I know for me for the longest time and I had this conversation with my clients that signed up like I couldn't understand why like the shit that everybody else was doing and was happy with didn't make me happy. And I felt like, I think for, I don't want to say like lowering your standards because what makes you happy as an individual, like that's great. Roll with that. But like for me, like, okay, why doesn't it just like whatever, just hanging out, like I'll probably get like a nine to five and like <laughs> we're going to come home and watch Netflix and like, this makes me so unhappy and I can't figure out why I'm so happy. And like, I think sometimes like, people let other people's exp- or what makes other people happy. I think that gets projected and then you feel like that should like people get scared to ask more of themselves or expect more of themselves. And then I think that that makes a lot of people unhappy. Does that make sense? 100%. And I think a lot of that comes from like your background with your family you know, and not in a, a bad way, but that's the people that you're around and that's what you're projecting and what you see. So it's easy just to, to follow suit and never try to step outside of that. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so that's one reason that I'm super grateful for the generation that we grew up in. We grew up in a generation to where you could go online and like you could go to YouTube and you could look at 100%. other people your same age doing the exact same things that you wish you were doing and they don't have any advantages to you rather than they're willing to put themselves out there with a camera in their face and, and show themselves like show the things that they're doing to do the things that they want to do. And if I didn't, if I wouldn't have had that, like if I wouldn't have been able to watch, like it sounds super cliche, but guys like Christian Guzman, I watched the online coach for a long time. These guys that were building businesses is like, why can't I do that too? You know what I mean? So exactly. Important. That's exactly like for me, I always had this idea that I wanted to build my online business, but like, honestly, dude, that's why Cody's had such a big impact on my life. Like I remember I was following him and I was like, okay, this dude's probably like 32. Like he very much has a business I want. He's crushing it. When I'm like 32, 33, I'll be there. And then I remember he like, he dropped the podcast. It was like his story. And I found out he was like four months older than me. I was like, fuck, what? Like this dude, I feel like I have a very similar amount of knowledge for this dude. He's, but he's done so much more than me. So if he can do this, mm-hmm. why can't I? And that's like, that's when I hired him. But exactly, man, that's the dope thing about social media podcasts. YouTube is like, I feel like you are so much more connected to all these people that realize you're capable so much more than you think you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a, a big conversation that, we should, I feel like we should do a full podcast on that. Um, one of these that. months, that'd be a, that would be a good topic to go in. But um, yeah, I don't think I really have anything else to add on to that, brother. I don't either. Um, that was favorite books. Is that how we got into that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's do one more. I've got 13 minutes before I've got a call. So no stress. One more of these. Is that good? Yeah, let's get it. Okay. This is a good one. Any tips on dealing with the massive amount of information, some conflicting on exercise and nutrition that's on the internet? Um, absolutely. So, I mean, 
I don't know how to go about this without not just giving out more information. I would say <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> I would say straight up work with a coach, honestly. Hire a coach that yeah. you trust, you like their approach, go all in on it. Um I'll say like find somebody you think is evidence based that seems like they have a good track record with clients, truly has your best interest in mind. And I would honestly just go well go all in on that approach that like the saying methods are many principles are few it's super true like there's so many different ways to go about this you can go high carb you can go low carb you can train three times a week you can train six times a week there are there's so much information because there are so many different ways to get to the same outcome right yeah i would say too um one good thing to look at from coaches is somebody that's talking more about a long-term perspective right on in terms of your goals not just like follow this diet to lose this amount of weight or this or that someone that's talking about nutritional periodization who's talking about setting you up for long-term success not just losing the weight but how to maintain the weight that you've lost and bring your metabolism back and things like that because i think so many of us get so wrapped up in like the result that I want now. And you're not worried about what happens after that result is created. I just think it's, it's really powerful. Um, and something that we should all be thinking about is the diet after the diet. And if you don't have that, if you don't have, if the coaches aren't talking like that and they're not talking about that, about that kind of stuff, to, and they just want to work with you for one, two, three months, it's typically not going to set you up for long-term success and teach you everything that you need to know to be able to turn it into a, a lifestyle and actually enjoy training and nutrition for what it is instead of it being a stress about always losing weight, putting weight back on, not learning how to actually keep progressing your body over the long haul. I think that's super important. I think that's one thing that you should look for in somebody. And again, it's not always a sexy thing because we want what's right now, right? We want, we want to lose the weight right now, but the coaches that are going, that are talking about losing it, but then making, emphasizing it's more important about what you do after you lose it rather than just losing it. It's super important. Right. Exactly. Dude. I couldn't agree more. Just like the, like we talked about before on this podcast, coaching through the maintenance phase after the diet is probably the most valuable thing. And I would say too, like basically what we're saying here. Look for someone that seems like they're very much focused on education. They'll teach you mm -hmm. why you're doing what you're doing. And they'll also like the explain that this isn't the only way that we can do things. Um, and looking for somebody that's not dogmatic about their approach as well, because that's again, a coach that will like likely tailor like a, such a big part of what we do as coaches is we take all this information that we learn about you as an individual when you start coaching and then we use that to create, okay, so from what I know about their lifestyle, their dietary preferences, how they like to train, et cetera, I'm guessing that this is going to be the plan that's going to be the best fit for them. And then we tweak that along the way, right? Mm -hmm. But again, if it's just a coach that has a very dogmatic approach, like, okay, no matter what, we only follow a carnivore diet and you have to do CrossFit, which would be a terrible pairing, but then you're not really terrible. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be brutal, but... Um, you get the idea, like Absolutely. someone that will very much like actually tailor this to you that doesn't seem dogmatic about any one approach. Because again, then you know that they're going to take all your specific considerations into account instead of it being like super biased towards whatever, like maybe they sell only a high carb approach. Maybe it's low carb. Maybe it's, you get the idea. Yeah. And when, when like, when you say conflicting information, 
usually the conflicting information is just in the methods, just like you said, that people are using that are all following the same principles at the end of the day. There's just like you said, there are are a ton of ways to create the result, but there are a few principles that have to be abided by to be able to create the result that you are creating. So just as you said, not being dogmatic and realizing that there are a lot of ways to go about it. Are there better ways than others? I would argue yes. I'm, I'm sure that that you would as as well, depending upon the individual, sure. But yeah, just making sure that things aren't dogmatic and that at the end of the day, if two people are telling you conflicting things, but you see them getting people results or they look really good or whatever it may be, chances are they're using different methods, but they're following the same principles at the end of the day. So just choose which one you feel like is is better suited to you. Or again, going one step further than that, find somebody that's going to talk to you about those different approaches so that you can go out from there and you guys can decide which approach is going to work best in your situation. And you can truly get the education that you want from the situation so that you can go out and do it on your own once things are over and you know why and you have options to do what you're doing instead of thinking there's just this one way. Exactly. I couldn't agree more, dude. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Me either, brother. I think that was, that was really good. That was a good podcast. I, I want to do a podcast on that last subject that we were talking about, a longer form one, because I think that would be a really good one too. So, so yeah. Well, let's, we'll figure something out for next month then. Sounds good, dude. Perfect, man. All right, dude. I had the intro. You got the outro. We will talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> talk soon. <laughs>